And now for something completely different. Ah! Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And good morning and welcome to the show. Of course, it's Tuesday as uh, we get further into the week. Yesterday uh, started out nice on the day, sold off, and then had a nice rally in the day, of course. Uh, something we'll talk about today, you know, market rally and kind of what to be thinking about from here. A uh, new article on our website this morning also talking about that market rally and really kind of where to invest in 2024. And we'll talk a little bit about that on today's show as we start to look ahead at what potentially is coming down the pike and why that may actually be the case of why things may be different 2024 than what a lot of people expect. Uh, but we'll get into that this morning. Um, you know, NVIDIA, of course, all eyes on NVIDIA. They report this week. This is the last big tech company out there, you know, the, the last of the big seven. Uh, so again, all eyes on that. Remember, NVIDIA last quarter promised a 50% increase in sales. So this is going to be kind of one of those things like you better have done that. <laughs> so uh, otherwise, it's going to be a big problem for NVIDIA stock. Yesterday, though, the stock up almost 9%. Um, everybody kind of buying the stock ahead of earnings, hoping that not only will they beat that revenue number, but it'll be um, more than that. And guidance will continue to be very strong. So again, lots of faith being placed in the NVIDIA stock here over the last couple of days. Again, very expensive, right? Still trading at 40 times sales right now. Now, again, if they do increase their sales by 50% for the quarter, um, they'll certainly bring that number down. It'll still be expensive, but it just won't be as expensive at that point. But again, one of the things to be looking at in that report is going to be sustainability of that sales growth, right? Was that just a one-time big order? Of course, uh, you know, Elon Musk last quarter when this announcement was done, uh, Elon Musk was buying a lot of GPUs for his new AI project. So the question is, is, is that going to continue, right? How do you sustain 50% sales growth every quarter? Right? And that's where the valuations potentially become a problem. And forward outlook, and this is why forward outlook is going to be very important when NVIDIA reports earnings. It's going to be really important what they say. So, again, how, this, how the actual earnings announcement comes out and how the stock reacts, it's going to be very interesting to watch. But that will be uh, on the 23rd, so uh, day after tomorrow. So, uh, everything's, everything else is looking good. Now, coming up here in just a few days also, as we've talked about, of course, Jackson Hole Summit right around the corner all eyes on Jerome Powell. Uh, we've got lots of Fed speakers out now coming into that meeting. Um, we're gonna have, we've got three today and we're gonna have a couple other ones before we actually get to the Jackson Hole Summit, all kind of dropping some hints around what to expect from that summit meeting. In other words, what kind of what the message is gonna be. So everybody's gonna be parsing through everything that's said by these Fed members. Are they gonna tighten more? Are they gonna, are they gonna start easing? Where are we in the cycle? those type of issues. So again, that's all going to kind of move markets over the next few days in particular, particularly as we get into that Jackson Hole Summit. That's going to be kind of the, the next big kind of movement for the markets. Uh, one thing to kind of uh, keep a watch on, of course, is the volatility index has been creeping up here as of late. Now, it's, it's now, uh, now normally when you're having a correction, right, and, and this is where, you know, you have the difference between just a, a regular sell-off 
and a correction or, or you know, a bigger bear market is that during kind of a, a, a big drop, right? And so let's go back to March of this year when we had the regional financial bank crisis. You had a very sharp spike in volatility, right? So that really showed that fear was coming back into the markets. Last year, we had several spikes as well as, as markets kind of sold off on concerns about rate hikes and interest rates, a recession, bear market, etc. Um, but you'll notice that this recent sell-off has been very muted. And, and again, this is kind of what you would expect in kind of a bullish cycle that we're in right now. Lots of bullish optimism about the markets. No real concern about inflation or recessions or another resurgence of the bear market. Uh, investors really aren't very much concerned. While volatility has picked up a little bit here, well, that's what you would expect, of course, with you know a, a sell-off in the markets certainly well under control. So this whole sell-off we've had so far been very orderly, nothing really to worry about. I'm getting a lot of emails, kind of some panicking, saying, oh my gosh, you know, where is this thing going to ever stop going down? And it's interesting, just a couple of weeks ago, I was getting articles, uh, uh, getting emails from people going, when is it ever going to stop going up? Uh, so, you know, you kind of kind of make your, kind of, you know, figure it out where it is. Um, but again, nothing really wrong with this market uh, whatsoever. But that really kind of brings us down to what you need to know this morning before the bell. And again, this is something that we've talked about in today's article in particular is talking about stock market rally. Again, we've had a very nice sell-off. We've had this 5% correction in the market, something we were talking about back in July. We said, hey, we're going to get this 5%, you know, 3 to a 5% correction, completely normal within any given year. Uh, came down, really almost tested the 100-day moving average. We got within a stone's throw of the 100-day moving average, and I guess it depends on who's throwing the stone and how far they can throw it, but we got close. <laughs> whatever, whatever that actually means, the stones throw, how far that distance is, we got very close to that. Um, market did rally a bit yesterday. Again, we said, like we said, um, you know, the market did open weak yesterday. We kind of opened up, sold off immediately, went to negative territory, and then the markets really kind of found some ground and then rallied into the end of the day. This morning, futures are pointing higher again, looking for a continuation of that rally. Um, we were oversold enough here, and this has the, been the point of this rally, is that we were very oversold here on a short-term basis, so that rally was expected. We have not triggered a buy signal yet either. So again, while we get this rally at this point, we've got a couple of points of resistance that are coming up very quickly, and that's going to be the convergence of the 20-day and the 50-day moving average, that is creeping up on us here pretty quick. So again, somewhere around this 4,400 level, uh, 4,450, somewhere around there, markets are going to run into kind of a cluster of resistance. So what I would expect here is a, is a bit of a rally, another potential pullback, and that'll probably give you a decent opportunity to add some exposure to your portfolio that should finish this cycle of this correction uh, sometime in you know, mid-September-ish so to speak, and then that will set us up for that typical kind of October, November, December. Now, importantly, while this is going on, we're going to see probably a continued little pickup here in volatility. So uh, it normally, kind of seasonally speaking, between September and October of, of every year, you kind of get a pickup in volatility. So price movements are kind of bounce around different places. Um, it's going to be a little bit more volatile, a little bit more of a struggle trying to find an entry point. But it's going to be kind of just kind of picking spots here over the next, you know, really kind of two, three, four weeks as we get ready for that kind of end of the year push. And again, as we said, uh, so many uh, 
uh, hedge funds and mutual funds, et cetera, are kind of underwater this year. They're going to have to be playing kind of catch up in terms of performance. That's going to kind of push assets into the markets in towards the end of the year. So, you know, that's that's kind of the game plan right now, so to speak. There's no guarantee the market just doesn't immediately surge and go right back to all-time highs. That could certainly happen. Um, you know, it could also come down here and, and roll over and correct in the next couple of days and then have a rally. So how this actually plays out in, in terms of a timing thing is going is, is always kind of up in the air. But the, the general tendency should be for a bit of a correction here and then this rally over the next, you know, at least week or so uh, as we get ready to go into the month of September. The other side of this also has been really taking a look at what's happening with commodities in general. Gold as a, as a, and again, this has kind of been interesting because we've had concerns about rising inflation here as of late. Uh, interest rates have been ticking up. Gold prices continuing to sell off. So again, that really hasn't traded into the, the idea of higher interest rates, higher inflation. But you know, again, gold remains under pressure here. Um, oil prices, also have had a very nice run here. We're back to pretty overbought levels, have just recently triggered a sell signal on oil prices as well. So that should suggest that we should get some relief in oil prices here soon. This has been one of the kind of the contributors to pushing up inflation pressures, also uh, causing interest rates to rise here a bit because of concerns about a resurgence of inflation. We're probably through this run in oil prices, get another correction, probably down to the mid 70s in oil prices. That'll pull some relief out of the market as well in terms of inflationary pressures, kind of a downtick there, should pull interest rates down as well. Uh, again, kind of watch that sell signal on oil prices. That's what you need to know before the bell this morning. When we come back, we'll pick up and talk a little bit about this rally and kind of where to expect the markets to be as we get to next year, 2024, right around the corner. Hard to believe. Be right back. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. So again, just kind of picking up where we left off. Today's article talks about you know this rally. We've been talking about this for a while now, and uh, so I've got a few charts to go through with you this morning. But you know, uh, there's also something that came out of uh, my kind of writing and stuff, and over the weekend uh, in our bull bear report that we publish every Saturday, I was working on the analysis, and at the end of that report, we post a lot of. Uh, technical indicators, market statistics, uh, a variety of, of gauges of, of different measures of the markets. And a couple of things really kind of jumped out at me. And I was like, wow, I hadn't really thought about this. And I had to go back and do a little bit of research about stuff we'd written previously. And so it kind of laid down this thesis of what we might see happen, you know, in 2024. Um, could be 2025. You know, timing is always the issue with all, you know, when you're when you're doing a forward outlook more than, you know, two or three weeks at the most, uh, generally three to five days at best. But once you get really kind of, you know, more than a month or two out, timing becomes a real issue, right? Because things happen. We don't know how things are going to play out. Something crops up we weren't planning on. You know, nobody planned on shutting down the economy in 2020. Um, 
you know, so so when you're looking out, things can certainly happen that can derail the best laid of plans. And this is why when you're managing money and managing your own portfolio, you've got to be flexible, you know, with things as they happen. You can be you can have a conviction about certain things, but you've got to be flexible about, you know, understanding that that it may not work out in the short term because sometimes things just take time to get there. And, and one thing is is a fact is, is that everything rotates in the markets ultimately. So no matter what's happening now, as investors, we tend to start looking at things as, oh, well, this can only do this, right? Stocks can only go higher from here. AI stocks can only go up from here. And they can't ever come down again for this reason or that reason because the world is different. And they do. Eventually, everything corrects. And things that everybody hates becomes things that everybody loves and vice versa. And, and that's part of this analysis that I'll, I'll go through with you this morning. But, you know, kind of just starting back and, you know, we were talking about in July repeatedly kind of ad nauseum here on the show <laughs> that, you know, we were going to potentially see a correction in the markets of, you know, three to five percent. And we said, hey, that's completely normal. That, that happens on a regular basis. In fact, I've got a chart here of exactly that. And if we go back and we look through history from 1950 to 2022, what we find out is, is that in any given year, right, in any given year from 1950 to 2022, you had a 3% decline at least seven times in a given year. Um, you had a, a 5% correction three times. A 10% correction could happen as much as once a year. Now, once you get beyond that, it becomes, you know, 15 to 20% drawdowns. Those become much more rare when they happen. But the, the point is, is that, you know, a 3 to a 5 to even a 10% correction, completely normal with any given market year, even if the market year is bullish, right? I mean, you can be up 5% at the beginning of the year, have a 10% correction, then be up by, you know, 12% by the end of the year, right? It's just you need these corrections to kind of reset the table, so to speak, so that the market can rally again and, and kind of think about, you know, um, you know, kind of a car and, you know, it's, it's you know, you're, you're coasting uphill and, you know, you've come down a hill and you're just in neutral, right? You're coasting. So as you come to the top of the next hill, you're kind of slowing down and then the market, you know, you kind of go downhill, you gain momentum and it allows you to get up the next, the next rise. And the markets are kind of that way when they're rallying and they're very bullish, that momentum kind of runs out and you've got to have the correction to help build up momentum for that next run again. And that's kind of the way the markets just work over time. And, and so, again, this correction, as I said, completely normal. And, and we take a look at a chart of the S&P and, and we were talking about back in July Hey, we're getting the sell signal, and, and you could see the sell signal really kind of set in, um, you know, back in July. And, and then as we came into August, that sell signal really accelerated, and we had this correction in the market that took us down through the 20-day, through the 50-day, and started approaching the 100-day moving average. And, you know, so that's this correctional process that we've been in. And so as we continue to, to think about this, is like, this is normal, so what's going to happen next? And this is why we've been talking about, hey, we're going to get this rally. It's, it's going to happen ultimately. And, you know, we've seen an uptick in volatility here just recently. Completely normal with what you'd expect with a short-term sell-off. So, you know, that's, you know, so everything's behaving absolutely as you would expect that it would in this type of environment. 
And, and again, volatility is really important. I want to show you another chart here on volatility. And this is a little bit longer chart on volatility going back just a, a few years here. And, and there's a very important thing about our sell signals as well as the volatility is that normally in a bullish market, and take and, and again, if, if you take a look at our sell signals, which we use a, a MACD indicator for that, it's a moving average convergence divergence indicator. Um, and again, if you're driving, don't worry about it. It's in the all these charts are in the newsletter. I was sorry, in the article today on the website. So just when you get to the office, go to realinvestmentadvice.com, click on the article, you'll see the charts. But I'll explain this as much as I can. Um, during a bullish market, a bullish cycle where markets are rising on a regular basis, the MACD indicator, it's an oscillator. So it, if you think like an oscilloscope, it's just kind of this, you know, kind of, uh, you know, this, this cycle that goes up, then it comes down, then it goes up again, goes down again. And so the MACD indicates, or, or this MACD indicator oscillates from a buy signal to a sell signal, back to a buy signal, back to a sell signal. And during bullish markets, it, it, it is a fairly narrow range at the upper end of its overall range. And so it kind of stays in the top half of its complete cycle. And so it kind of oscillates at a very high range and it's very narrow. During bearish markets, it tends to, to oscillate at the bottom end of its total range and it stays down there for a while because you're in this correctional mode of the market. And then, of course, now we're back into this more kind of bullish movement in the market. So this range of our MACD indicator is back into the, the upper half of its total range and it's just kind of staying there. We're now at the bottom of that upper half of that range. So in other words, we're probably pretty close here that we're about to get, at least in the next you know, week or two or three, another buy signal uh, that's going to set the market up for this kind of rally into the end of the year, October, November, December. Um, relative strength index also got very oversold, as I said earlier today. So again, you know, the, the setup here for a rally is certainly in place. Now, does that mean it has to happen? Do we have to have a rally here? Could we correct and go lower? Uh, sure, absolutely. You need something to kind of spook the market here a bit. We're kind of running out of that. Could be Jackson Hole. The Federal Reserve could absolutely come out um, during the Jackson Hole Summit and say something that just totally takes the market off guard. Um, they could come out and say, hey, we're going to have to, you know, we've decided we were sitting around last week and all drinking some beers and, and we all decided here at the Fed we need to hike rates another 500 basis points, right? I mean, something that aggressive would just knock the market right off its feet and it'd be down 10, 20% before you know it because the market's not prepped for that. The market's still betting on the Fed to start cutting rates. So, so something could happen that could completely de derail this outlook for a short-term rally. But as of right now, because of the technical setup, kind of where the market is, it suggests that this market should rally here over the next week or two and then that's going to give you an opportunity to kind of rebalance your portfolio risk, et cetera. You probably have a little bit more sloppiness in September. And then that gets you into October, November, December, where you typically have end of the year rally. So that's kind of where we are. And, you know, there was a so as we as I was going through this analysis, and this is kind of the point and, and something I'll pick up on when we come back um, at the uh, uh, after this next break is that when I was looking at, at, at this data, there was something that really began to kind of jump out at me overall. 
And again, part of that is, is just looking at how oversold on a really short-term basis that kind of the overall market had become. And this is something that we, you know, we, we, we post this every weekend in the newsletter. So if you don't subscribe to the Bull Bear Report, you're really kind of missing out on some good technical analysis, if I say so myself. Uh, but it's in there. <laughs> anyway, so but we, we measure the markets and they're very oversold. Um, and, and, but we run this other analysis called the Risk Range Report. And what this report does is it measures the volatility of every individual sector and market relative to its own performance over a long period of time. So we look at its normal kind of beta volatility. And so if something moves outside that norm, then we know that it's probably really overbought or really oversold. And we have numerous sectors and markets that are now very kind of well outside that normal range from this recent sell-off. So again, this all kind of pushes back into this idea that we're going to have this short-term rally. But when you take a look at the performance, and this is what we'll talk about after the break, when you take a look at the performance of the markets and what's performing right now versus what's performed historically, there was a, a very interesting note that kind of jumped out of all this. And this is what led me to this idea of talking about what may just work best in 2024. And it's not most likely what you think it is. And we'll talk about that after the break. Don't go away. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com so where to invest in 2024 may not be where you think it is um you know right now a lot of people's like i've got to be invested in gold and these other things and, you know, the eventual crisis is coming, maybe, possibly. But we can take a look at normally what happens in markets over time, and we can come up with some pretty reasonable expectations of where the potential investment change will go. And what we know is, is that looking back over long periods of time, that whatever is in the top performing category one year tends to not stay there for very long. Um, Callan uh, does a annual what they call periodic table of returns chart. And that looks like exactly what you think it looks like and kind of looks like the old periodic table from, you know, science class in high school. But what it lists is it just shows a breakdown of performance of different sectors of the market. So large cap, mid cap, small cap, international, emerging markets, et cetera. And it just ranks them from best performing to worst performing in each year. And it's just laid out in kind of a quilt uh, across. And, and so what you'll notice is, is that if you look at it, you know, emerging markets are number one performer this year. Next year, they're the worst performer. You know, um, 
Bonds are the best performer this year. Next year, they're the worst performer. And that's just the way it happens over time. Now, is it is there times where the best performing sector one year is the best performing sector the next year? Yes, that happens occasionally. But generally, one to two years, you'll have the top performing sector being that one. And then it's generally towards the bottom of the list in the next year. And this is just because of how markets and economics and cycles work over time. And in fact, so in our newsletter, again, so if you go to the Bull Bear Report on the website, you can subscribe for email delivery on the weekends. Um, we do some analysis on kind of the major markets and major, major sectors. And we look at how it's performing each week, right? Where is it for, you know, year to date and, you know, these type of things. And so back in 2020, we were doing this, we do this analysis every week. But back in 2020, we were talking about in November saying that energy was so beaten up that it was likely going to have one heck of a rally at some point. Because nobody wanted. Remember, back in 2020, we shut down the economy. Oil prices went to zero, <laughs> right? And you know, and of course, this was also the beginning of the ESG. And we were talking multiple times here on the show is that be careful with this ESG nonsense, because it's all about performance at the end of the day. Because back in the late 90s, we had no no sin stocks, right? No tobacco, alcohol, gambling, pornography, nothing like that. You couldn't you shouldn't invest in those companies and those were the best performing sectors and markets and stocks in the uh, dot com crash. And so we're saying back in 2020 and and really even in 20 early 2021 saying hey, energy is going to be one of the best places to be because this is going to change. And so in our in in our chart that we were showing back then in 2020 you know, it was very easy to see when you when you took a look at the sector kind of performance on a year to date basis that energy stocks were down 40 percent for the year. And it's not showing. There it is <laughs> waiting for the graph to show up. So if you take a look at the at the upper left hand quadrant, this is just year to date performance. Now, this is of November of 2020. So this is not this year. So when you when so as you're looking at this, just remember, we're in November of 2020 right now. Energy stocks were down 40 percent. Technology stocks were up 31 percent. And we said, hey, no, look, that that massive spread is not going to last indefinitely. And and this was the beginning of where you begin to have energy really starting to have outperformance. Now, if we jump forward to 2022, in November of 2020, actually very late October, now this is uh, you know first of November, we wrote an article, are FANG stocks dead? Because remember, this is 2022 now, we're in the middle of a bear market. Everybody hates tech stocks at this point. Nobody wants them. Tech stocks are down 31% for the year. Um, communication stocks are down 41% for the year. You know, um, um, you know, you just kind of take a look across the board, and it really didn't matter. You just had everything down. And what was the one shining star in 2022? It was energy, right? Energy was up 59% at the end of October for the year, and everything else is down 20, 30, 40%. So again, that's that rotation. So where are we today? Right. So this is what kind of jumped out to me over the weekend is 
looking at where we are today. Now, so, so this chart that I'm showing you right now, this is in this week. This is this data is in this weekend's bull bear report. So it's on the website right now. Just go to the website under insights, click on newsletter. You'll get this report. And if you'll notice, the best performing sectors this year, obviously communications, up 35 percent. We've got discretionary up 25 percent. We've got uh, uh, technology stocks up 32%. Now, what are those, right? Communications, it's Amazon and Google. I'm sorry, it's Google. Discretionary, it's Amazon. Technologies, Apple and Microsoft. So that's why those stock, those areas are up so much. It's the big mega cap stocks. That's why those stocks are up. That those sectors are up so much relative to everything else in the market. But look at your look at your laggards. Which which companies aren't performing this year? Utilities are down 9%. Healthcare is down 1%. Staples are down 2% um, this year to date. Um, real estate's down 2%. Bonds are down 5.5%. What do those sectors, a lot of those have in common? Interest rates and inflation. Utilities, real estate, interest rate sensitive, obviously. Bonds, obviously interest rate sensitive. So if you're a betting man and you're thinking about, wow, I've got this massive outperformance in technology this year and I've got everything that's interest rate you know, sensitive down this year, what would be the next logical rotation in the markets? Now, not necessarily at the beginning of 2024, could be the end of 2024, could be 2020, early 2025. But at some point, you're going to have a logical rotation in the markets because of changes to the economy, economic slowdown, uh, disinflation, whatever it is. But you're going to have a rotation. I want you to pay attention to something else real quick. Just sideline, sidebar. Leave that chart up. If you take a look at that right top right panel, I have rebased all of the markets and sectors to $50 the starting price as the beginning of the year you will notice that outside of just that tech communications and discretionary performance, if you strip those three out, the markets would not be up this year. They'd be flat at best, maybe up 1% or 2%. This is that dispersion of performance and that's driven by those mega cap stocks. So again, if you have a portfolio that owns anything other than tech communications and discretionary, you're probably not doing great this year because everything else just kind of struggling along in this market uh, outside of those three sectors. But so, but going back to what I was saying, if you think about where we're going to be in 2024, 2025, and if you're looking for where money's going to go to and whatever the next rotational cycle is, it's probably going to be in those interest rate sectors. And this will be because the Fed is cutting rates now. The economy is slowing down. Inflation is falling. Again, if you take a look at housing prices, those have about an 18 to 24-month lag to show up in inflation. So there's a big drag on inflation that's coming next year as the decline in housing prices this year catch up. Once you start to get into a problematic issue of, of the markets at some point, you're going to have interest rates come down because the Fed will cut rates. So the most logical rotation of the markets over the next 12 to 18 months is going to be into interest rate sectors, interest rate sensitive sectors, and out of sectors that are 
market and economic related. So just something to think about. Now, there's no guarantee this is going to work, right? But going back in history, we can clearly see these rotations occur on a regular basis. Now, as investors, the thing that we tend to, to always extrapolate is, is what's happening now is going to happen forever. But data shows that that is not the case. And whatever causes the rotation amongst sectors, and again, from laggards to leaders and from leaders back to laggards, is unknown. I don't know what's going to cause it. What I do know is, is that whatever tends to be the leader one year or, or the leader for 18 months tends not to be the leader in the next 18 months. It tends to be whatever the laggards were. So just something to think about. Our job is to try to buy stuff cheap when things are grossly undervalued and put, you know, take profits and stuff that's really expensive. And so just kind of looking at the analysis, it, it kind of brings home to roost maybe some thinking about what 2024 could very well look like, and particularly given the fact that the markets are betting on the Fed to be cutting rates. The markets are betting on the Fed to cut rates next year and into 2025. And if that's the case, as the Fed cuts rates, what sectors are best set to perform against lower rates? Just something to think about. As Wayne Gretzky once said, the key to winning is skating first to where the puck will be next. All right, wrap it up. We'll be right back after the break. Wrap up the show. Don't go away. news you can use delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com so welcome back to the show this morning so that article uh again on the website uh this morning so if you just simply go to realinvestmentadvice.com click on insights tab it's the First blog up, just talking about stock market rally and investing in 2024, all the attendant charts and graphs as usual are there for you to examine. So if you were driving in your car this morning, listen to the radio show, we appreciate you staying safe and not trying to look at your phone at the live stream while driving. Um, the charts are all there for you. So just uh, when you get to the office or wherever you're headed or back home to your office, if you work from home, <laughs> then, uh, you know, all the graphs are there for you to look at. Okay, so be sure and, uh, and, and while you're there, if you have any questions, send emails. Um, just click the Ask a Question button and send us an email. We're always happy to answer it for you. Okay, so uh, this morning, of course, earnings continue on, but we're really through the, the, the big bulk of earnings, but retail earnings are kind of still in focus. Uh, lows out this morning. 
along with uh, BJ's Wholesale Club, Cody's, um, Dick's Sporting Goods, Macy's, Toll Brothers, Lazy Boy, Urban Outfitters. So again, a lot of consumer-focused type stocks. So it's always interesting to you know, kind of see how they're doing and what their pulse on their customer is and their outlook in particular. Because again, you know, retail sales just came in very strong in terms of what the government says. But it's always important to hear from the actual people on the ground, right? The people have boots on the ground dealing with the consumers. You know, is foot traffic doing well? Are lots of people coming in? And it's not just the fact that people are coming in. Are they buying anything? And what type of stuff are they buying? Are they buying low-end stuff? Or are they buying high-end stuff, right? Those kind of tell us a lot about really the strength of the consumer overall. And, you know, Target and Walmart, you know, uh, gave very different reports for some obvious reasons. But, you know, what are, what's consumer traffic looking like? What is the, you know, outlook for these companies going forward? And it's been okay, right? But it's not like, oh, the consumer is booming. And as we kind of get further into this year and interest rates kind of continue to bite as savings, these excess savings continue to run out, we may start to see a little bit more weakness, particularly as we head into holiday shopping season. So remember, um, Halloween, right around the corner, second biggest kind of shopping day of the year is, is, is Halloween, Christmas, course, number one. My wife's birthday, number two. Um, but, you know, retailers depend on Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas really to, to get into the black for the year. And this is, you know, this one we call it Black Friday because that's kind of the, 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 the nomenclature that was given. is like, oh, this is the, the point in the year where there's so much shopping going on that retailers make it into the black for the year. And, of course, Black Friday used to be Friday. Now it starts on Monday and goes through Friday. And before you know it, Black Friday will start in October and go through December. So, you know, we, but we all count that as one day, right? It's like, okay, it's a week long, but we count that as Black Friday. But, you know, that's, this is the point to where retailers really depend on those sales. And so as we start getting, you know, into this period, are consumers doing as well as everybody expects? Now, we always get a lot of numbers out. The National Retail Federation always comes out. They're always very optimistic. Oh, the consumer is going to spend $500 quadrillion this year, and they're virtually never right. Um, the, the numbers are always less, but it's, it's, the, it's the federation, you know, it's kind of the talking arm of retailers. So they're always optimistic about how the outlook is going to be. But we did just see Amazon Prime that was not bad. Amazon had their Prime Day um, back in July, and it wasn't bad. And that was one of the things that, that led to those kind of stronger than expected retail sales numbers in July, certainly showing that consumers are still buying. So, so far, so good. Question is, is what happens with the combination of higher rates and less savings? At some point, does the consumer start to buckle? And that's going to be the big question. Can the consumer just navigate through this and not change anything, despite 7% interest rates on mortgages, despite higher interest rates on you know, credit cards up to 22 23% now? So, you know, can the consumer continue to weather that type of interest rate diversion because remember as interest rates go up that takes more of my discretionary income to service that debt so that's less money that i have to spend on other items 
So the question is, can the consumer continue to weather these higher rates? And we'll see. I don't have the answer for that. And we'll, again, we'll get some kind of pulse today from, from companies uh, that, are, that are reporting. Um, from economic news side, uh, we also have existing home sales out this morning. Uh, those are expected to drop a little bit, uh, 4.15 million expected versus 4.16 million previously. Now, you got to take that with a grain of salt, by the way. Whenever you listen to home sales of whatever type they are, new home sales or existing home sales, either one, we did not sell 4 million homes last month. Okay. When you get new home sales, they'll tell you, oh, you know, new home sales were X thousands last month. No, we didn't sell thousands of homes last month. We sold one twelfth of that number. So in other words, if I have one home sale in the month of September, I report that as 12. I annualize that number. So it's not really an accurate representation of what's happening in the economy. We're not selling 4 million homes a month. That sounds like a lot, but we're not, right? That is 4 million divided by 12 to get to the actual number of what was sold last month in terms of existing homes. Still selling thousands of homes, mind you, right? Still selling thousands of homes, but it's not 4 million. Same thing with new home sales. So you've always got to take this because, again, here's the problem. With, with, with reporting data that way, annualizing that data, here's the problem with it. Last month, I sold two homes. So I sold 24 homes. This month, I sold one home, so that's 12 homes. Next month, I sell two homes, so that's 24 homes again, right? I just sold two, one, and two. That's, that's, that's all that happened. Right. There wasn't this big of a change in the number of homes that I'm selling. But when you when you extrapolate that out and you say, OK, this is what I did for the whole year in one month, it, it really kind of distorts the story of what's happening, you know, from one month to the next. And so it's always important to kind of take a look at those numbers and then back them out and say, OK, take that number divided by 12. That's what we actually sold. And you got to break it down by, you know, who sold what. But again, kind of take those numbers with a grain of salt because it, it makes it sound like we're just selling millions of homes every month and that the, 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 the industry is just booming, et cetera. And that's not really the case because of this annualization of the numbers. Um, tomorrow, of course, NVIDIA, as we talked about this morning, NVIDIA is going to report earnings tomorrow. Uh, more retail, uh, advanced auto parts, Bed Bath & Body Works, Foot Locker, Kohl's. Um, Williams-Sonoma. So again, this week, just tons of retail. We're going to get a really good pulse on kind of what this looks like. And we'll talk some more about this later this week um, as we kind of get all these numbers in, kind of, you know, what are these companies saying about retail spending? And, you know, is it as good as everybody expects? And, and again, you know, whether or not they're good, and, and so far, they've been okay. The question is really the trend, and is it sustainable? And again, as if these trends of retail sales are not sustainable, and if the retail aspect begins to recede a bit. Now, remember, retail sales make up 40% of PCE, which is 70% of GDP. 
So if the retail consumer slows down, that is going to lead to slower economic growth rates. That is going to start putting the Fed under pressure to begin cutting rates in order to stem a decline in economic activity, which would lead to further disinflationary pressures. Now, remember, the interest rates are at three right now, 3%. 2% is their target. If you get below two, they're going to start worrying about disinflation. As we've said before, disinflation is a much bigger problem, and particularly deflation is a much bigger problem to tackle than inflation. Deflation is a psychological drag that is very hard to break because once you get into deflationary cycles in the economy, consumers go, I'm just going to wait until prices stop dropping, which causes prices to drop more, which means they wait some more to buy something, which causes prices to drop more, so forth and so on. Deflation is a real threat. So if you get below 2% inflation, which you will at some point, probably next year, the Fed is going to start cutting rates in order to try to stem that risk of a deflationary cycle within the economy. So just keeping that ahead. Um, we've got Fed Governor Bowman speaking today um, at the Chicago Fed event at 2.30. And th this, of course, is this week, and we've got several uh, talking today. Actually, there's three altogether talking today. But this is all kind of that appetizer dish for the actual Jackson Hole Summit that's uh, right around the corner. So, again, just keeping a watch. Lots of stuff here to kind of move the markets. We'll keep you up to date on it. Be sure and stay by the website. And, and again, uh, go to the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Uh, right there on the homepage, you can subscribe to the Bull Bear Report, to our daily market commentary. We put stuff out every day for you, every week for you. Make sure you're up to date on what's happening in the markets, what we're doing in portfolios, et cetera. It's all there for you. It's all free, right? You just got to go put your email address in. That's all we ask for, just your email address. We're not going to send you spam mail, nothing else. You're just going to get the newsletter, the daily commentary. That's it. It's on the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Have a great day. See you back here tomorrow.